0: Welcome, listeners, to Dark Tides, a weekly improvised audio drama series that uses role-playing game mechanics. I am your host, show creator, narrator, and very tired boy, Aubrey Lidden. Uh I will just issue uh, just, a little, just a little content warning this week and basically forever. Our show contains themes of supernatural horror, violence, um, a lot of really just appalling humour and acting. Mm-hmm. So if those things are not good for you, And they usually aren't, unless prescribed by your doctor. Especially the last one. Especially the last one. Uh, Don't listen. But with me, as always, this week, it would be hard to do a finale without them. Uh, My cast,
1: (laughs) Chester Liddon and BJ Ingate. How are we doing, boys? One day he might try. Mm -hmm. Hello, everyone. My -hmm. name is BJ. I play Ernest. I don't play Ernest. (laughs) (laughs) I I do not play Ernest. Although, maybe one day we should swap. I play Alistair Stern, a 19-year-old emo with no friends, no job security. Um, he did work as a night watchman, but honestly, he's a bit busy at the moment with like, you know. He has not been showing up to work for like he weeks. He has not. Uh, the last thing he did was like move some junk, I think, in a box in like episode 16. Yeah, but that was just for his dad. Like, that's that not wasn't even work. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, something. that was only about 48 hours ago in podcast. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's also the definition of his job. Is doing, doing stuff whatever for his dad head. tells him. Uh, yeah. Ernest, uh, Al- oh my goodness. Wow. Starting the day so off strong. well. So strong. Alistair is a bit of an emo and he's a bit of a grumpy boy sometimes. Bit of a grumpy boy. Bit of a grumpy boy. I he's always... going to be waking up with a headache. <laughs> he is. <laughs>
2: and that is thanks to... What's up, guys? I take no responsibility for this. It's a character choice. You know, just chest out here, making the bold character decisions. That's why That's why I'm the one and only official singular voice actor for Ernest Marsh. No replacement. No one can get No one can do it better. No one can swap with me. I also have a slight cold <laughs> on the last goddamn episodes. I have a cold. So hopefully you can't tell. Because I'm just talking so energetically. I said, like, four words yesterday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All you need to do is raise the pitch of your voice enough to cancel out What's up,
2: guys? Chester here. I play Ernest Marsh, a lifelong boy scout nature enthusiast who's been given the chance to fulfill his lifelong dream of becoming a park ranger. This dream has led him to the hook bar archipelago.
1: Goofy? (laughs) Goofy?
0: (laughs) I was thinking it's more like uh, the child version of David from Camp Camp. I haven't which watched actually, that
1: much Camp Camp,
0: which does actually sound a lot like. Um, it's been Mickey too Mouse. long since I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Camp nice. Camp is.
1: I feel like that's a. If you like Dark Tides, you might like Camp Camp.
0: Yeah, you might. <laughs> you I feel, might. I feel like just you, Space yeah. Kid.
1: Yeah, just Space Kid.
0: Basically, if I could, if I could have invented any character, if I could have ripped off any character for Dark
2: Tides, it would have been Space Kid.
1: Um, it is also raining because, like, we got to. For the final recording It's session. like the first
2: recording all over again, we, except you were sick. <laughs> and it was right.
1: Yeah. You know, we've got to bring it back round. Bring we've it back round.
2: This could be one of long. our last times together. Ignoring Forever. the fact I see BJ like three times a week and I see Aubrey daily, this could be the last time we're all together. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, do we have fun facts? Do we want to jump in? Uh, do we want
2: to recommend things? I reckon we got to do everything. This is one of our last chances to, so we got to do it. Uh, got, yeah, fun fact. We probably won't bother with the last episode. Yeah, true, of we is. probably won't, because it's going to be like a two-parter type of sitch. So, fun fact for Ernest Marsh. My boy. So, You're Marsh. <laughs> Ernest has repainted the interior of his cabin six times. Wow. In the short amount of time that he's been at the, at the archipelago. So, originally when he got in there, it was a peeling, awful green. It was like an army barracks green. And he did not like it because it was peeling and dusty and all that type of stuff. So he used like a paint scraper, scraped it all off, dusted everything. Then he painted it white because he was like, you know, a neutral space, nice Bring and some bright. Light in, Bring yeah. some light lighting because there's not too many windows in there. So it's got to be bright. So he painted it like that. And then he wasn't sure if he was actually allowed to paint it or not. <laughs> so he was like, huh. Okay, Uh okay, and so he went out and bought some green paint and repainted it again to be green. It's like that's, if if there's like a code about the way it's got to be, you know, I got I got to align myself with that code. And then Gina came in to check out he, like how he was going. Looked at the walls and like, Ugh, this is gross. Told him to paint it. He was like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I can paint it. Sure, sure, I'll paint it. So he goes out. And I was like, I painted white before. I'm not going to do it this time. I feel like I feel like that's a bit too. Just repeating myself. So he basically went through every different paint they had at the hardware store. And they have a very small selection of the hardware store. And so he'd paint like a wall and be like, now this looks awful. And so he'd go back and like pick up something else. And every time he'd go there, he'd like pass Ernest. Uh, not Ernest he'd like pass Alistair as he's like picking up different <laughs> Cleaning equipment and stuff like that. And Alistair's just like, what's she what's she doing? And he'd also pass... You work
1: in a forest. What could you possibly be doing? <laughs> and
2: he'd be like, every time, oh, I'm just getting some door hinges, just getting uh, some different screws, you know. <laughs> and he also start to p- pass Alistair's friend, the spray painter guy. Oh, yeah, he TC. has to pass him in the very small cabinet of spray paint options. TC would be there picking out his stuff and I'd be like, Hey, buddy. Did he give hey, Ernest buddy. any
1: advice, any colour advice, like colour theory? I think
2: he tried to about, Ernest uh, so is just like, nah, man, it's all good, it's all good, just, you know, just painting a wall, don't need, don't need anything fluoro. So, is currently, uh, the interior, like, the, when you w- first walk in, the first room is bright orange. <laughs> okay. The kitchen is a dark blue. Uh-huh. The bathroom is white. Mm-hmm. And the wall next to his bed is pink wow so he's kind of like
1: doing a deciding phase on what he likes best (laughs) at the moment you should have a one you should have a feature wall that's a tc original just get (laughs) him to like paint a whole wall well okay i have two follow-up questions for you first of all i would also like to say that tc works
2: as like the guy who mixes paint for people at the hardware store he's that guy who's just like very bored there just like yep you want maroon we can only do two shades of red here he's
1: like look you can pay me less provided i get free spray paint they're like yeah cool yeah cool
2: no one else buys spray paint it's just you
1: so does Ernest like? Does he drop sheet his furniture, or have you been? Has he been moving his furniture in and out every single time? Every single
2: time, <laughs> of course. So Junior just looks outside her window with her casts and all that type of stuff and bruises, and just looks <laughs> at Ernest. Up, oh, yep, he's taking his bed and washing machine out again. Up, oh, then he's taking them back in.
1: Hurts his back every time. Um, is this at all inspired by your day job?
2: No, it wasn't actually. <laughs> nice nice uh i would also like to point out that brent has not painted the interior of his cabin it's still just like it's raw plywoody wood interior oh yeah Mm -hmm. and every time Ernest goes in it's just like oh oh, oh, it does look quite nice but i can't go back now i can't go back
1: (laughs) so yeah that's ernest's fun fact okay nice An Alistair game fact. Whoa. Because it's time to bring the game facts back. Okay, so I I thought of this a couple of weeks ago when I discovered that on Steam there is a game called 5D Chess with Interdimensional (laughs) Time Travel. (laughs) And it is exactly what it says on the tin. It's like chess for your computer and you can travel in dimensions and change time. So there's like, you're playing a game of chess and then you can go back in time change a move that you made five moves ago which creates like three different timelines and then pick one and then like it goes to a different dimension i don't know i've never played it i just watched the trailer and got very confused so anyway alistair saw this game right and he's like man that looks like fun i like chess it looks kind of you know he also liked that one scene in the big bang
2: theory where sheldon's playing like chess on three different platforms it's like one game on three different platforms
1: he's like oh that's so cool that yeah absolutely and and also like clearly he's somebody who really likes deep dives into things so he's like oh this, i could totally get into this anyway he played it for about six months Jeez. and it stressed him the hell out more than anything else because like he tried to understand how it works and from what I understand about the game, like it's fun, provided you like it's one of those games, like I have no idea what was going on, it was great, fun. He played it like three times, he was like, okay, yeah this is kind of cool let me see if I can figure out how the mechanics work could not he just he go, went into this downward spiral of like <laughs> his entire life was consumed with trying to figure out the mechanics of this game that's and why he was so depressed at the beginning of the series <laughs> it's just like he lost his latest game he was like oh, okay I'll go out and talk to
2: the boat guy about his wreck boat then
1: (laughs) no yeah like he got to the point where he was spending so much energy like mental energy trying to figure out this game that like he couldn't sleep not that he doesn't that really much anyway he couldn't sleep he wasn't hungry he was like so and he was he just had to make the decision he's like this is like going to kill me this game if i keep playing it (laughs) so he's deleted it and he's like banned himself from ever playing it again because of the amount of mental energy it took from him he went back to overwatch
0: yeah two things
1: uh one referring to games
0: i watched two seasons of march comes in like a lion in about a week Mm -hmm. and then i decided that i would learn how to play shogi problem is so shogi is the much more complicated (sighs) version of
2: chess from japan one thing Aubrey, they announced a new age of empires oh yeah first one like a decade Oh. Yeah, I'll be playing that it, lo- it looks very similar to all the other ones yeah, like hold the on. same voices I
0: like. just need new hold, new missions hold I
1: don't on. care if it looks okay. the same it's so cool they've got like um, guys, you can guys play as like really cool to say guys. I don't care
2: you can play as like Mongols guys. I think but it means you can you move always, your civilization entirely too. like everything's okay. tense so you can move your entire that's, civilization that's cool
0: because you could play as Mongols before but you can do anything like that
1: I'm right, a valuable member <laughs> shut up BJ no one cares My recommendation. Yes. I, BJ Ingate, recommend... Didn't see that one coming. And Alistair Stern as (laughs) well. Oh, now it's canon. Now it's canon. We recommend that you should check out the Dark Tides Patreon. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> because Lord. there is a whole lot of bonus material there, including Patreon specials, as well as an after show that we record after every single episode. That We are so consistent on releasing. Yeah, and I've never heard any of them because I still can't log into the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you were there well, you're gonna for you're going to pay the some money, don't you, BJ? <laughs>
2: hmm. hmm. <laughs> All
1: right, if you pay me first, Aubrey, i am well... editing your show for you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's how the, about that? That's the Patreon goal. You're going to buy me a chair? Eventually.
2: <laughs> I just, I've just i just stolen a better one now. Yeah. <laughs> in regards to Patreon, actually, a massive thank you to Lexi and Lavender, our two newest patrons. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us and everything we do. And a massive thank you to all our other wonderful patrons.
0: Anyway, so I decided to try and teach myself how to play Shogi. Uh, only problem is the only apps I could find, as in like... Internet Let's Play Shogi apps are all in Japanese, and they don't give you any kind of translations. Oh, and the pieces are all the same, except slightly different sizes for some of them, and they have the Japanese characters on them. So I am basically playing Shogi against a computer, not knowing what any of my pieces are, but kind of guessing because it's still a bit like chess, and I kind of get some of the moves. And like, right. So that's not going well.
1: (laughs) So you basically have to teach yourself Japanese first
0: yeah i've kind of just given up (laughs) when season three comes out i might do more exciting Um, exciting
1: so is there anything else we want to distract ourselves from recording this podcast with or are we gonna yeah i've spent like a week stressing over how
0: do i wrap everything up how do i tie everything together and the beginning is extremely like intense and stressful and now we've just had 20 minutes of nothing (laughs) mr pop A light mist forms about the island of Hookbar like a shroud. The storm sends rain spattering over the trees and rocky clefts in the mountainside. Thunder rolls powerfully overhead, but no lightning, not yet. Slumped against the side of a ranger-issued jeep, his head supported by a roll jacket, Alistair is unconscious, handcuffed to the door. In his unconscious state, sounds and images play through his mind like an ever-changing kaleidoscope. One image does settle, however, the face of a boy, of Kai, black mucus dripping from his mouth. But in a moment, the
1: image changes, and it's replaced by a new one. But in that moment, the image changes and is replaced by Kai, as he was, as Alistair knew him. Bright, irrepressible, impish, the memories of the final fateful day roll over Alistair, as strong as the very first time. The excitement of an adventure planned in secret, the gentle waters of the little bay, the weight of our specimen jars and nets, the excitement of standing out on the rocks, hunting for crabs. And then those hateful moments, the shock, the visceral fear, the mind-bending panic. It rushes back to Alistair as he sees his eight-year-old self standing by the rocks with Kai. He sees a thing, a white tendril lazily wrapping around his unsuspecting ankle. There's a jerk and a scream and a splash. Kai's gasping cry for help as he tries to grip Kai's hand and pull and pull, but Kai's slipping out of his grip. His nails are digging into Alistair's wrist. He turns and sees it. Millions of creeping white strands tightening around the small boy and the indescribable body of the creature in uncertain depths. Suddenly he feels the coils brush his own leg. In horror, he thrashes. He loses Kai's hand. The last thing he sees is Kai's face disappearing into the water and lying on the sand where Kai stood just a moment before is Alistair's pocket knife that Kai was using. Alistair picks it up and puts it in his pocket. These images play through
0: Alistair's mind before darkening and becoming lost in strange dreams, a jagged fissure in rock that deepens into the mouth of a cave. He sees the lost row upon row emerging from the darkness like sentinels of damnation standing then an eerie purple light on dark water. A movement of innumerable things under the water's surface. A sound like thunder that shakes the ground and a smell like burning ozone. Alistair hears the ruffle of feathers from just behind him. And for a moment, for just a moment, he sees a face pale, dark-eyed, staring back at him. Meanwhile, Ernest is trekking, his feet sloshing through the muddy surface of the track as rain pounds down on his back and head. He is following the figure of Nancy who is stumbling, more and more
2: uncoordinatedly through the forest what is going through ernest's head ernest wraps his arms around himself as the water soaks through his shirt he is shivering he is cold and he is coughing He's, his focus his eyes seem to lose focus and then regain it as he feels himself kind of almost slipping in and out of his own body he climbs up the, the hill watching Nancy he uh, calls out Nancy Nancy she doesn't respond she just keeps moving (sighs) he reaches into his pocket and pulls out a bottle of Bixen which he took from his pack which he has slung over his back he takes it and shakily starts filling a syringe with the liquid he starts to walk closer and closer behind Nancy and tries to catch up pace with her and looks at her face right her face is pale and you can see that her nose
0: um, is bleeding dark icker but her eyes are still focused she seems to be valiantly focused on keeping herself in check as you brush up next to her she kind of startles
2: and looks at you and holds up the syringe. Ooh, what's that for? It's antibiotics. Liquid form. So it's basically instant. You'll have a whole bottle of it, so it'll keep you in control. Um, ooh, uh, okay, if, 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 if you're sure.
0: She sits down. Yeah. Um, she finds a fallen tree. She leans back
2: against it and rolls up her sleeve uh, and helps you find a vein in her left arm. Yeah. Ernst injects it in shaking as he does so and puts the full amount in and then fishes through his, pox- his pocket and pulls out uh, another packet it is liquid capsules of antibiotics and he takes them out like these will they won't be as quickly acting as that but it should act as a second wave of of defense and he hands her three or four Right,
0: and she takes them, she holds them in her hand and she looks at you and says Do you think do you think anyone else tried this? I mean you saw them, there were
2: there were heaps of them. You think nobody tried antibiotics? I don't know. Well it, it's, it worked for the uh what the doctor was doing, so I don't that's... know, maybe it holds it off for a little bit longer and that's that's all we need. We need to buy you enough time till we can stop it. She nods and takes the pills, and
0: she looks at you again, and looks away. And she says, I- "I'll be honest, Ernest. I don't know that. I don't know we're buying time for much. I'm going to get you there. You need to get that little boy out of here. You need to get him somewhere safe. After that, don't look back. Don't focus on me. Just focus on on him. But if I can." can I ask you a favour? My mum lives in the little flat behind the second hand store. Can you tell her for me? Don't need to tell her everything, don't need to tell her all about all of this, but just tell her that I was doing what I should have been doing. I was doing my job and I was
2: proud to be doing it. I'm sorry I didn't come home. Just tell her I love her. Ernest holds his shaking hand out to, to her to help her up, and says, still kind of shakily, <laughs> You can tell her that yourself. I'm not really good with all that type of stuff, but... Whatever happens tonight, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to try as hard as I can. To make sure everyone... Gets out of this. Whatever it causes. I won't let it happen. Okay. He's going to pull her up and now leading. Start heading up the path. There we go.
0: Meanwhile, back down the mountain some ways. Alistair, you come to, uh, you feel the rain pattering on your face. It's cold, it's running down your neck, soaking into the collar of your shirt. Uh, you can feel someone very gently tapping your cheek and a voice uh, close to you saying, Hey man, uh, it's time to wake up now. Come on, Alistair. And then you hear another voice much, much harsher say, Look, just let me, you're being too gentle. And then Whack! as someone slaps you full across the face. Like,
1: see, Ah, that's how you do it. Hey, hey! Alistair, like, fully comes to and looks up, tries to move and realises he's handcuffed to a car. Hey. What? Where where is Ernest? Where? Who? Where is he? Uh, You
0: can see that kneeling in front of you is both uh, Gertrude and Herb. Gertrude looks highly amused by the situation, Uh, and she's kind of... As you come to, she's making a gesture at you that you don't quite catch. Um, and Herb uh, puts his, his hands together in front of his mouth and he goes, mm. uh, Alistair, look, I think we need to have a little, a little talk. I'm going to uh, kill him. Yeah, well, well Ernest uh, seemed to think that he had something really important to do and he wanted yeah, to stay for you. you don't here. say
1: he wanted to go be a hero without me. Well, that's not going to happen, Herb. You better undo these handcuffs. I, all right? uh, well,
0: I, I don't have the key, is ah, the thing. Um, that's... So anyway, you know how I was telling you about that freaky, uh, secret broadcast stuff? Yes! Well since I got you here, um, it was talking to me about you, and what? that's kind of weird. What? The broadcast that was, uh, I guess you could now say, in a not-so-cool way, possessing me before, yes, really seemed to want to- I know what
1: happened, to wanna... get to the point.
0: Uh, well I wanted to talk to you, and it gave me a message to give to you. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it was something to do with, uh, we had to find a little boy and not let mother do something. Yeah, I know that much. Or rather to the sea, I think. And the broadcast seemed to be real keen on you boys, but didn't like mothers generally was the vibe that I got. Anywho, this, um, freaky broadcast thing, I recorded it for you. It said, it said to, to take notes or whatever, but anyway, so I've got this. Um, And he pulls out an old-school tape deck voice recorder. He's like, yeah, let me just find the... uh, Yeah, that's the rewind button. All right. He jiggles the keys until he finds the right one. ah, here it is. Uh, And you hear issuing out his thing amidst a lot of static, a freaky message of pasted-together bits of audio from advertisements, from news broadcasts, from weather channels... And this is what you hear. Beware, mother. Trust not her. Macadations protect
1: the boy, the children. Dangerous. Don't let him wake up the sleeping. Or the tide will rise, and all will be consumed by the sea. Mother wants it to wake. Do not let wake.
0: So yeah, someone's mum is real bad, and her children are bad. So we got to get this Waldorf kid. Um, to not wake up some sleeping people because that's going to make sea levels rise. I think it's a global warming thing.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, sounds
0: like an esoteric
1: kind of a riddle <laughs> deal. Uh, real weird stuff. So, anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, that makes sense. It, it's a um, mother is, is some kind of monster or force that we've been trying to stop. Um, but look, I get it. I've got a complicated relationship with my mother. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Okay, well... Um... Ernest and Nancy have gone off uh, to try and find where this kid is. I don't know how they... know where to go, but... But, uh, Apparently he doesn't want me to go. So... Guess I'm stuck here. Are you sure he didn't give you keys somewhere? Maybe... I'm gonna roll... I'm gonna roll to check my pockets, even though BJ right. Ingate knows that they're not there. Uh, I got a nine. Uh, they're not there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gertrude,
0: meanwhile, has disappeared. And Herb's going, mm, You know what? What? He starts going through his pockets and he starts pulling things out and he's lining them up on the ground. And he's got some string. He's got, like, the innards of a tape deck. He's got a screwdriver. He's got a few of these sort of things. He's got some eye drops. Um, <laughs> Jane, you know, I thought he did. Um, oh, here we go. He did? Well, he pulls out a pair of keys yes, and he goes... Yes, those. They're no, handcuffed are, the, are you sure? I thought these were the, for the car. In I case I needed to move the car. But then you're, you're you're tied to the car, so I can't move the car if you're tied to the car. That's not safe. Herb. Yeah. Why are you making that face, man?
1: I'm handcuffed to a car. Why do you think I'm making this face?
0: Uh, I'm... Uh, not great with like uh, non-verbal communication
1: unlock the handcuffs <laughs> alright uh, as as so gonna you start like, screaming I'm going to have to stand in the other corner of the room at this point to stop <laughs> my microphone peaking.
0: Um, as you do that Gertrude pops her head around the back of the car and she says uh, uh, hey Herb you really uh, might want to do that because we have company what? Uh, you've got cars coming Great! Herb, Herb unlocks, great. unlocks um, the handcuffs. You realize you've probably been out for maybe 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Um, How long has it been, Herb? Well, I just said, you know, about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, Aubrey. No. Yes. No. Alistair has been unconscious. Has he not? Yep, he had his dream. What happens when Alistair is unconscious? you get to roll a dice uh, yes. and you get
0: to you get to substitute your roll for one of your own or someone very close to
1: you yeah physically like proximity yep. i bet this is going to be a 6 and i'm not going to be able to use it for anything that's my hope it's a 5 <laughs>
0: mixed result so if well, someone if, got, so, yeah, if someone if someone got yeah. a success or a failure you could substitute for something in between so you okay. could basically negate the damage that someone could do or Um, Harvard or
2: something. Yeah, something like that. Oh yeah, if someone someone gets shot and takes like 20 damage, you could say, actually, it's a five. Actually,
1: they do get shot, but they don't die. Yeah, so we could do something like that. All right, Uh, right, you scramble up. Uh, What do you do with Ernest's jacket? Um, I pick it up and I look at it, and I'm not gonna put it on, but I'm gonna hold it. All right, as you head around to the other side of the car,
0: you can see now that there are headlights heading up. the the winding trail below you you've got about five minutes before they reach where you are they've clearly been following your tracks through the mud Uh, and Gertrude is standing on the bonnet of the ranger jeep to get a better look and she calls back to you she says yeah I know those cars that is definitely the children (sighs) yeah Herb Herb, I think uh, I think we know what we need to do you take your van I'll take the jeep Uh, Alistair yeah, oh, you do what you want. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead these people somewhere else, I think.
1: Okay, well hold on. Is it like what if they catch you? Are you Can you talk your way out of it? I mean I know they know you. <laughs> Can I talk my way out of it? I'm sorry, I've had a
0: big- Don't night. tell me my business. Alright, she she jumps down off of the bonnet, she splashes a little in the mud, and she gives you a shove. A, little, a, a bit of a playful shove, not really like trying to start anything. Sorry,
1: I've had a big night, all right? Yeah,
0: well, you get out of here. You go do
1: whatever it is you're
0: gonna do. She gets in the car and starts the engine.
1: I was just like, well, I mean, my only other plan was to turn the jeep into a bomb, so I think this is a good idea.
0: She, she kind of uh, sticks her head out the window and nods and goes, "Yeah, I reckon that'd probably be a really, a really shitty idea." She turns the stereo off really loud. She's like, "I've never driven before," and then. She, she going backwards. Uh, is it a manual? It's or a manual. It's a manual. She's going, um, oh, 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 okay. Uh, clutch in, gear change. She starts spinning the tires in the mud going,
1: That's good. When in doubt, more gas, all right?
0: All right. She goes forward way too fast, nearly hits you, uh, and she takes off down the trail in first when she definitely needs to be in second. All right. Adios, cowboy. See you later or whatever. <sighs> yep. Good luck herb um takes off in his little combi van and it trundles its way after gertrude as they begin to lead off as you um maybe take cover and start moving up the trail give me a tracking roll i'll give you advantage because it's muddy and they're not really trying to cover their tracks because as far as ernest is aware you know he didn't know that the children were following and he was not expecting you to be able to come after okay uh well i got a nine all right that does fine yeah you're able roughly to guess the the direction you kind of lose the trail a little bit find it again but you kind of know roughly the direction they're heading the trail itself is fairly clear this is an old hiking trail do I know what it might be leading to? um make a make a roll for me just a straight roll to see how much you remember of your history
1: uh nat 12
0: they are heading for one of the oldest mining settlements Okay. Um, in the town which you had to go on a very boring very long field trip to in middle school um, where they told you all about the fact that the mine had been opened two or three times and then closed because they could never find anything but it was one of the oldest surviving kind of settlement landmarks okay but yeah, you know roughly that's about the only thing of interest in this area of the mountain great okay We return now to ernest and nancy stumbling through the woods
2: ernest reaches a, a high point on the the hill they're climbing up and kind of stops as it's basically a cliff to the right hand side of him and he he looks out
1: no, we've got nothing to lose except everything we have
2: over the island and in the distance he can see the lights of Port Staples. He can see the lighthouse in the bay slowly turning around. And he takes a second to look to at the town right that he spent the past few months living in. And
1: I think I love this town.
2: Pauses for a second to uh, kind of take everything in before following after Nancy again.
1: Looking at the moon, staring at the stars.
0: all right make a roll for me ernest it's an eight all right you become aware that you passed another one of the ranger watchtowers at a distance a little while ago and you become aware that someone is trying to follow you uh, they're moving quietly they're staying off the beaten path but because you are so much on edge and you are aware that, you know, the children are after you guys, that the lost are about, you are very much keeping your ears and nice open, open. You can hear movements, very slight movements. It could be an animal. You're not
2: entirely sure, but there is definitely something stalking you. Yeah. Uh, Ernest catches up to Nancy and whispers to her, there's someone following us. She just nods.
0: Uh, her eyes are looking tighter and tighter and she's trying
2: to stay focused on what she's she's doing Ernest stops and turns around facing down the dark path they've walked up
1: Mm -hmm.
2: he's going to put his taser behind his back and switch it on as going to call down the path You know, it's a uh, hiking etiquette to uh, call out when you're near someone else just so they know where everyone is. Uh, roll for me. 10.
0: Uh, you hear a chuckle from not not on the path, about uh, 10 or 20 meters off the path to the, the left up the hill. Uh, you hear a voice call back. really depends if you're uh, trying to be seen or not though and why would a park ranger not want to be seen? there is a shuffling as um, the figure moves out of the trees and the scrub and down onto the path. You do recognize this man though you've never actually met him he's tall and fairly uh, fairly slim there is a lot in the face that reminds you of Gina, uh, and it doesn't take a lot to connect this man with the photos that you've seen all over the ranger station and Chief Ranger Lester's office. Uh, This is his son, Sherman, Gina's brother, who you have not yet met, who was missing in action when you arrived and had not yet been found. You can see that he's, he's still wearing his ranger's uniform, but he's changed the shirt and he's not wearing the jacket. He's wearing a heavier raincoat, something with a hood. He's got a large hiking pack on his back and he's carrying um, a long rifle underneath his arm. Gina's gonna kick the shit out of you. Yeah, Gina would like to think she can, but um, if history's anything to go by, she can't catch me.
2: Is that a... Uh, do you have a permit for that? He nods <laughs> at the gun. Um, what would you do if I said no? I'd be very
0: upset. Well, well that doesn't really bother me. He moves closer. Uh, shrugs. So, uh, what do you want? Same thing as you? Uh. That, uh. Right. That doesn't explain it. He steps up quite close, like he's within a normal conversation distance, and, and he nods to, to Nancy, who's stopped um, a few meters further up. Uh, what's wrong with your friend there? She's got the flu. yeah I've seen a lot of people with the flu recently
2: oh yeah you know it's that time of the year alright roll for me four alright
0: you can tell it's coming uh, but he's still too fast for you Sherman reaches out with his hand that is not holding the gun grabs you by the the collar and sweeps your leg out from under you uh, and shoves you to the ground puts a boot on you and levels the gun uh, Nancy hasn't moved she's not even looking in your direction she's that far out of it Sherman looks down at you and says uh, listen I'm guessing you're um, um, Marsh Marsh um, Ernest Marsh Yeah. we haven't had a, a proper introduction yet but um, look I'm going to tell you what's uh, going on here you are not a very smart little boy you do what you're told, and trust me, with Gina, I kind of get that. Uh, Gina's good at telling people what to do. But, uh, you're a little over your head here, son. Now, let me guess, um... You never asked any questions, did you? About this island, about the things that were happening here, you just took the job. That's fine. Who are you to know? But you didn't ask any questions, did you? shrugs on the ground. Yeah, you can feel the mud seeping into your t-shirt. So, um, when inevitably it became pretty bloody obvious that this place is, oh, I don't know, cursed, just uh, a shitshow of supernatural hoo-ha
2: and nonsense, why didn't you leave? Uh, First considers for a second, looks at the gun, and then kind of looks at Sherman's face and says... Better than living at home. He frowns and then nods. Yes.
0: Proud I hadn't considered that. I'll be honest, that uh, that's
2: a new one. So, I uh, don't mean to be rude, but I don't really plan to be lectured by someone who's been hiding out in the wilderness for several months now. You can think whatever you want about me. You can think I'm an idiot, but... Oh, I do, but that's by the, the by. At least I'm not a
0: coward. <laughs> you have got a little fight in you. I can see why Gina would
2: like you. <laughs> oh, this is going to smile. And he's going to tase him in the leg. <laughs> All right, roll for that. <laughs> That's a
0: seven. All right, you tase him. He reactively, um, you try to tase him. He reactively jumps back uh, out of range. So you are able to scramble up.
2: He is off you, but you didn't get him. Cool. He levels the gun again. And Ernest is going to pull out Alistair's crossbow and point it at him. It's not like pulled back, yeah. but he's going to point it at him. A yeah, Slippery
0: little one. Uh, you know that thing's not actually loaded, right? you gotta, you got
2: to pull it back. Go on, I'll wait. It's all right. It's more of an intimidation thing. And he chucks it into the bush next to him. <laughs> right, well...
0: You've proven that um, you've got enough fight in you, so let me just ask you something, uh, Ernest. Have you realised yet that everyone's been lying to you? The Rangers, the police, the mayor, Gina, they all lied to you the whole time?
2: I mean, yeah, I was meant to be getting paid $25 an hour, but I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Ah, Gina... That's not a surprise.
0: Well, that's not what I'm talking about. (sighs) I mean about, um... The whole situation here, what you've uh, got yourself into. Did they actually... What did they tell you? Did they tell you... The little fairy tale about the watchtower burning?
2: That's a classic one, that is. Yeah, but judging by the ruins... That one ain't so correct. Ah,
0: sharper than you look. Nope. No scary monster. No honorable park ranger. One and the same, as it's fact. Yep. When they discovered that one of their own was uh, a little, uh, what's the polite way of saying it? Not what he was supposed to be. Well, they burned him alive in a watchtower and covered it up. And they've been covering it up ever since. And not just that, so many other things. But yeah, I mean, can you blame them? I can hold them responsible, and I do. Now, I can see that your friend there is one of these um, soulless, mindless, whatevers. Just like dad, as a matter of fact. She's not soulless and yeah. she's not
2: mindless as long as I have anything to do about it. Well, she will be soon, kid. Well, if we can speed up with this conversation, I'll get back to what I'm doing. Right. I just got one more little question for you. So where along the lines did you
0: decide that it was going to be a good idea to keep digging into this stuff and not do what I was trying to get you to do and stay the bloody hell out of it? I don't know. Was it the, um, the smashed windscreen of the car? Apparently that didn't help. Maybe all of the stuff going missing, maybe the stuff going missing from that kid's house. Yeah, I don't think you really picked up on the hints there. I thought it was being pretty obvious. And Gina didn't tell you it was me, obviously. But then, I mean,
2: I don't know who Gina talks to. So you're the one who stole that stuff from the ranger station?
0: Yep. Well, I was there for a little chat with Dad and then, um, well, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine how that went considering what you saw later. By the way, I'll replace the breakdown kit, I just needed that, um, I was kind of running short of things.
2: Well, considering you seem to, got me pegged all over, you should have known that wasn't going to work. Yeah, well, let's, um, let's look at it as a bit of a test.
0: Now you know what the range is like? Well, I'm not like them. I'm not like my father, I'm not like Gina, and I'm not going to pretend anymore, I'm not going to cover anything up. So, um, seems like you and me have some, let's say, some common ground. Now, I'm going to make sure that the whole world sees what's about to go on here. Now, I know you want to get that little boy out of here, and that's fine with me. He shouldn't have been messed up this. But, um, yeah, I'm going to make sure that this is something that can't be covered up. So if we're on the same path, let's walk together. And if we're not, he kind of hefts the gun. And you're in my way, and I'm going to do what I have to do. Simple as that. Ernest checks on Nancy. How's she looking? She's looking back at you now, but she's sort of swaying gently where she's standing. She's looking. The antibiotics seem to have prolonged her ability to stay in control, but they've also kind of zoinked her out a little
2: bit. She's... Yeah, cool. Okay. Okay. The whole world can see. I don't care about that. But I'm not letting anyone else die tonight. You can uncover whatever conspiracies you want and let the whole world know about them. But if that includes unnecessary amount of people dying then we're not on the same path. But if as long as it's I'm not going to let people die here. And if your plan is to let people die so you can get back at your dad and your sister, then we will have a problem. But if it's not that, and you're not going to get in the way of me trying to help, then I have no problem with this. It's good enough for
0: me. Now, uh, how about you and your friend keep going there and I'll
2: bring up the rear, make sure no one's following us. Earth nods and picks up the crossbow, crossbow from the, the bush nods at Sherman and starts walking with Nancy again.
0: We return to Alistair stumbling through the rain and the mud as he's making his way up the mountain. You're still following the tracks, Alistair. What's going through your mind as you're trying to make ground and catch up?
1: Alistair's... um (laughs) got a lot of emotions going through his head uh he's very mad at Ernest um but at the same time he knows he knows why he did what he did um he's not mad at him for tasing him like he knows he knows why um Ernest wanted him to stay home is because to stay at the cars because you know he was trying to protect him but that's not what he's mad about (laughs) Alistair has gone on this entire journey himself as well as Ernest and He's seeing it through to the end. And Ernest doesn't have a right to stop him. All right.
0: As you are huffing and puffing, because Alistair is not uh, the fittest fittest guy on the planet, Um, you're you're making fairly good time. You think you're catching up. Your phone uh, in your pocket begins ringing. I take it out and look at it. Uh, It says, Dad. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yep, I answer it. Right, um, you hear...
1: After a long dramatic pause with the rain and there's like a medium shot of like the light from the phone and the rain pouring down and Alistair's stern-looking face as he stares down. (laughs) Stern-looking face (laughs) on a stern Stern face. All right, you hear a pause and then you hear
0: the unmistakable voice of uh, Uncle Marv going, How the bloody hell does this thing work? Mallory, Mallory, where's the button that makes it go? Alistair puts his phone to his head. It's like... Hey, Uncle. Thank you. Ah, hey, there he How you doing? Hey, my boy. Um, so I've been on this boat for a while now, and your dad seems to think that you need a helicopter? Uh, you can hear your
1: dad in the background going, I said a chopper. What do you not understand? This was very clear. Why does he think he can get one? Bob is going <laughs> to build a helicopter. <laughs> uh, I have one, son.
2: Uh, you
0: you All right, have To one? be clear, I don't have one. Someone owes me one, and I have to collect it, and I'm not sure what condition it's in. But From where? Well, from Jim down, um, down, uh, oh, what's what, creek? Yeah, old Jim. Old Jim. Old Jim that owes me a old helicopter. Old Jim has a chopper? Well, he says he does, and I won it in poker, and that was about six months ago. Okay, listen, Marv. Is Dad Dad's with you, right? You uh, you hear like a scuffling and then a yelling and then the, the phone changes hands. It's like, uh, yep, Ali, I'm here. Yep, put me back onto Marv. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Marv, don't you dare touch that. Here. Uh, and you go
1: back to Marv. Like, yep, Ali, sorry, what are you doing? Yeah, so, Dad... I, I, <laughs> okay, Marv, so Dad's with you. Uh, you're on the boat, correct? Uh, yep, that's about right. Okay, can you leave Dad on the boat... To man it, man, man the boat, and look after it. Can you go to gyms, get the helicopter, meet us at the old mine? You know the one on the mountain. Yeah, the, the creepy one. old mine. Yeah, the creepy old mine. Ah, the that's... one, the one where you, the one where you picked me up from that excursion. Remember? Yeah, we that's went... a famous kissing spot. Yeah, and we went hunting. I don't remember any hunting. Did we use the um, the potato gun, the cannon thing?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we
1: were trying to shoot rabbits with it. Anyway, beside the point, can you... can you That made a real mess. Go find the chopper, meet us there, okay? I'll see what I can do. Um, I don't promise that the chopper is working. That's okay. If it doesn't work, just go back to Dad and we'll try and meet you at the marina. But if you can get here in a chopper, that will make things a lot easier. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. Just be careful. There's a lot of people after us. And I, <laughs> hang-, and I hang out the phone. All right, you hang out the phone. All right, so Alistair hangs up the phone and he puts it back in his pocket and starts up the trail again and then stops and thinks to himself and is like, well, Ernest seemed pretty sure that this is where we're supposed to go, so I should probably tell the others that that's where we're going, especially if we're going to be airlifted out of there. Uh, And so he takes his phone back out of his pocket and he's going to call Gina. All right, the phone um, is answered very promptly and you hear Gina's voice going. Alistair? Yep, it's me. Uh, Listen, um, I'm okay, but... We think we may have, well, I think Ernest has figured out where the lost are coming from. Right, where? Uh, You know the old mine? the Creepy old one up on the hill? Towards where we Yep, nope, hold on. You know the one? Yeah. You hear the shuffling of papers like, alright, yes, I, okay, I've got the coordinates down. Um, I'm pretty sure that's where he's headed. Alright, sorry, you split up? Um, you are not supposed to split up. Involuntarily, I assure you. Uh, I'm trying to catch up with him him now he handcuffed me to a car anyway that's beside the point can you let everyone know that that's where we're going and i think that's where this is going to go down uh, i had a call from marv he's going to try and find a chopper and fly up maybe we can get wilbur out that way but when Marv has go- a chopper maybe we'll find out
0: all right i'll circulate the information uh we'll get everyone to your location as fast as possible try and catch up with ernest if you can i will all right gina out Ernest, you're following Nancy, you are making it to the lip of a ridge. And as you come to the top, uh, you can see the storm is continuing to roll over the top of you. The thunder is heavy and feels very close. There's still no lightning yet, but the rain is um, driving down on top of you. And you can see as Nancy just continues on, that she's now heading down into a small gully between two ridges of this mountain. And you can see that there's definitely been some work done here in the past. There are trees and foliage and things that um, have grown up, but you can see that this is definitely being cleared out and flattened in this gully, uh, that it's been the base of operations at one point. There's a few very rotted and decayed buildings. There's a few stones that seem to have been um, load bearing for different things, for stockpiles of materials and things at one point or another. As you start heading down uh, the rough trail, into this gully you pass a small sign uh, that tells you that this is a um, an old silver mine location.
2: Ernest mm. hands off another dosage of antibiotics to Nancy and kind of snickers like, You're going to be extremely unwell from the amount of antibiotics you're having, but that's for that's for later. Yeah, you almost have to
0: force her to take them at this stage. She's her mind is elsewhere. And she's not super conscious of what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, You're definitely helping, by the way. It's having an effect, but the effect is also kind of um, slowing her down, in a sense.
2: That's fine. Right.
0: Uh, Sherman has kept about 10 or 20 metres behind you, um, but now as you're heading down into the gully, he um, jogs to catch up with you. And he uh, points down to where the entrance to this mine is. uh, And through the rain... And he says, that's our target, just down there. And what you can see is there's sort of a crag in the mountain face, a particularly sheer part of the mountain where this gully kind of backs into. And you can see a crag of rock, a big fissure um, in the rock that looks quite natural from here and quite unremarkable, um, as a matter of fact. But As you get down into this gully, you can see that Uh, while the crack itself is natural it has been widened out and cleared and it becomes the mouth of a cave you can see tool marks and things Mm. Uh, you can see initials etched into it you can see a small plaque that's the history of this particular spot Uh, it certainly seems unremarkable but make a roll for me Uh, three despite not even looking despite being distracted in this muddy weather it's hard not to notice the multitude of footprints that lead um, into this cave mouth. And you can see that they come from all over, not just the path that you follow, but from all over, from every direction.
2: And um, there have been people walking in. <sighs> okay. Urs is going to turn to Sherman and say, can you knock her out? and he's going to start filling up another syringe of antibiotics. Uh, you mean the big one?
0: Um, all right. <sighs> um, and you look at as Sherman like approaches Nancy. Nancy is still moving into the cave mouth. You can see that um, she's about half a head taller than him and definitely broader. Yeah, she, he kind of hesitates. He's holding the rifle like he's going to use um, the butt end of the rifle and he kind of goes and then stops and then kind of um, moves to the side a little bit like he's worried that she's gonna retaliate. And then in a sudden movement, quick snap movement, he jabs her in the back of the the head and neck with um, the butt of the rifle. And Nancy kind of
2: stumbles and drops a little to one knee and then he does it again and she lies flat. Nurse is gonna go up and inject the antibiotic again, this time into her neck, and is going to pull her handcuffs from Like her tool belt, basically, and handcuff her hand to the metal stand of the sign outside Mm -hmm. the big crack, as going to push her up against the wall so she's out of as much of the the rain as possible. As going to like button up her jacket so to like keep her warm. As going to fish a few things out off her belt. He's going to take her. What type of stuff will she have? Uh, she would have
0: a torch she would have a very small uh, emergency medical kit she would have a flare uh, I f- believe Nancy would still have her gun on her. Her, her I guess I think it's probably like a Glock or something just a simple police issue
2: he, um, he takes the stuff off her of and looks at the gun he's like mm-hmm. and he's going to leave the gun right. and, yeah. Sherman is already waiting in the mouth of the cave um, he's readjusting the heavy hiking pack he has on is going to a shiver runs up his spine of the idea of heading into a cave and one so close on each side like this but he cracks his neck and he walks in you walk into the cave
0: entrance and you can see initially it's quite large and as it narrows it becomes more and more man-made where this was probably once a very small tight fit a winding difficult path over years and years um, of man-made work it has been turned into a more walkable tunnel. You can walk basically upright here. Uh, Here and there you do see um, rotting pieces of wood that have been used to reinforce sections and these sort of things. Uh, You continue through the fissure as you travel into the mountain and down at quite a steep angle. Clearly the miners were following a natural path here Uh, to make their job easier as they were looking for mineral deposits and these sort of things Mm -hmm. this tunnel runs deep very inward very down here and there you see where um where tunnels have been dug off the side uh, branching off from the central one exploratory digs that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but this true tunnel the natural tunnel uh continues on continues down unrelentingly down You can hear the wet footsteps from you and Sherman echoing off the walls. You can hear your breathing close and this does bring back memories of your time in Hon Caves. We return to Alistair. Alistair, you have followed this trail. You have discovered that another set of footprints have joined this party um, and for the life of you, you have no idea who this could be um, or if it's someone that is in fact also stalking them. Um, is kind of your worry. You come to a spot where someone's obviously slipped or fallen, Um, there is a trampling of footsteps around it, and you continue on, you come to the same ridge, the same top looking down, and you recognise this place as the entrance to the old silver mine. You do recognise this jagged fissure in the rock as being the same one from your dream, and that it deepens into a cave mouth. You do remember that in the dream you saw row upon row of the lost standing and moving you remember purple light you remember dark water uh, you remember a strange smell and like a um, a powerful boom that shook the ground and you again remember that ruffle of feathers that has happened in a few of these dreams now that strange um, towering hunched figure that you saw just in a split moment before winston died And as you stumble and slip and make your way down this muddy and this ever muddier trail uh, you do find nancy again handcuffed and she seems to be unconscious
1: okay um i'm gonna search her and i assume find the gun Uh Um, i tuck that into my belt and extra ammunition maybe and anything else useful that ernest didn't take not that i know that he did this but
0: yep as you do this, it's hard not to notice um, the black mucus that's now running freely from her nose um, and coming out of one ear as well. He
1: think, okay, so someone else has joined. Nancy's kidnapped. Maybe Nancy got infected just then. I don't know. He's going to think. He's like, hmm. Ernest has been pretty liberal with the handcuffs today. <laughs> so Alice is going to assume that it was Ernest that that handcuffed her and that he did it because she's infected. So he's going to leave her there.
0: All right, Alistair, you stand um, at the entrance to this fissure in the rock looking into the cave mouth, and you you have to push back the memory of uh, your dream and the other things you dreamed. And as you look into the darkness, you remember uh, the darkness in Kai's eyes as you saw him only hours before standing amongst the lost and you have to push down the memories of the day that he was taken in the water.
1: Uh, All these thoughts and feelings kind of well up inside Alistair as like a a wall that races over him. And he's quite overwhelmed for a moment and then he kind of collects himself and takes a few steps into the cave. And then remembering the figure that he saw moments before, he assumes Winston was disappeared, killed, he doesn't know. He's going to take a few steps and just instinctively just look over the over his shoulder back where he's come. Roll for me. I got an 11. Alright, with an
0: 11, as you look over your shoulder, it's the exact moment that the first peal of lightning uh, shakes the sky and you see the bright white flash that illuminates the clearing And standing there directly behind you, maybe 10, 15 meters back, there's a tall, dark, hunched figure. You can see the glint of rain on feathers and around it, very indistinct, almost like shadows in a shadow, you see three figures standing as if they're moons orbiting this one strange shape. And then in the same instant, it's gone. Alistair
1: instinctively flicks his torch beam towards where the figure was. There's nothing there. Um, He takes a second peering into the darkness and, like, searching the forest with his light. Then he turns the torch off and takes a couple of steps back out into the rain towards where he saw the figure and is staring directly at the spot where it was. And he says to himself more than anything, All right? Well. If you're here, then I guess that's something. I saw you take Winston. And If you all to settle down. If you helped him maybe you can help Wilbur too and he kind of looks down at the ground as if kind of thinking about what he just said to himself and then turns, turns on his light again and walks into the cave.